Hello, my rebels. Today I talk about the case of Carlos Maza, an activist journalist at Vox, versus Steven Crowder, a conservative comedian. Who's going to win? Well, you know the answer to that. Hey, uh, before I go, um, do me a favor. Go to therebel.media slash shows and become a premium subscriber for eight bucks a month. You can get a membership, which lets you see the video version of my show, as well as Sheila Gunn Reed's show and David Menzies' show. And, of course, the $8 a month goes to, um, well, frankly, to fill our coffers so we can hire staff because we've been demonetized to a large degree on YouTube, too. So if it weren't for people buying those $8 a month premium subscriptions, I don't think we'd be around. So please consider doing that. I'd appreciate it if you would. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, America's second largest media company pressures YouTube into silencing thousands of independent content creators. It's June 7th, and this is The Ezra LeVant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Have you ever heard of Vox, the media company? It's painfully liberal. And it really has this social justice warrior affectation. It really feels like it's written not just by millennials, but by really irritating know-nothing millennials who just Google things an hour before they write about it. And ta-da, they call themselves experts. It's really cringy. And they have this shtick. They say they do explanatory journalism. They say things like, the monetary system, explained. The United Nations, explained. But, of course, they're not experts in any way. They, they should really be called things we learned in the last hour that seem important to us on Google. My favorite example of all time about Vox was this one, written by some know-nothing, titled, 11 Crucial Facts to Understand the Israel-Gaza Crisis. I mean... You just know that it's like a college newspaper level facts, right, with that headline. Now, I, I just showed you what that story looks like now, but look at the bottom. There, there's a correction there. It says, an earlier version of this post suggested there was a bridge connecting Gaza and the West Bank. Various plans to do this have been floated, um, but the bridge was never actually built. Yeah, that would have been one of the world's largest bridges, and I'm not sure why you would need a bridge, because it's not over a sea or a chasm. Here's what the original article wrote. Remember, these are crucial facts. You need to, to understand things. This is the explanatory journalism website. Of course, the author has obviously never been to Israel. You would immediately know that no such bridge exists. Here's what he wrote. Someone took a screenshot of it before they corrected it. This was the number one crucial fact you needed to know. Let me quote. As you can see on the above map, Gaza is separate from the other major Palestinian population center, the big green blob to the east of Israel, the West Bank. They're connected only by a bridge that Israel limits traffic on. Yeah, no. Just no. No, no, that's not. How it is, you know, back in the 1990s when I was in college, I sold encyclopedias as a summer job, the Encyclopedia Britannica. And back then there were other encyclopedias. This was before the internet was a real thing. But the one thing Britannica said 
was that each of its articles were written by the world's expert in that subject. So for example, Nobel Prize winner in economics, Milton Friedman, wrote the encyclopedia entry about economics. Carl Sagan wrote about space. Even Albert Einstein wrote an article for the Encyclopedia Britannica. They had 4,000 different experts. As in, they didn't just have a bunch of know-nothing college kids who read up on something the night before. It truly was a compendium of the world's best knowledge, supplanted now only by the internet, but you can still find experts on the internet, of course, now more than ever, really. Or you can go to Vox, which has 20-something sitting in cubicles in Brooklyn, becoming a half-hour expert in something before explaining it to you. Here are those cubicles. I'm serious. This is where all that brilliance happens. They're actually on strike today. I guess these world-class experts want more than 15 bucks an hour or whatever it takes these days to write that. There's a magic bridge from Gaza to Jerusalem or whatever. So that's Vox. But what they lack in knowledge or wisdom or understanding or experience, they make up for in partisanship and politics. The spirit of the encyclopedia was academic debate, the scientific method. You know, you know what the scientific method is, right? You start with a hypothesis or a theory, something you think might be true, but you're not so certain of it, so you test it. You do a test, you do an experiment. You control other variables, you check one thing, you see the results, you adjust your hypothesis, you do it over again, you're constantly learning. Empirical facts, you love criticism because it'll improve your knowledge. So yeah, Vox is, is the opposite. They really hate people with different opinions. Let me give you an example. They hired this fellow, Carlos Maza, who goes by the Twitter nickname, Gay Wonk. A wonk, I don't know if you know that word. It's, it's, a, it's someone who claims they really love public policy. So Zach Beauchamp, who wrote the Gaza Bridge story, he'd call himself a policy wonk. It's basically what a non-expert calls himself to pretend they're an expert. I mean, Milton Friedman didn't have to call himself a policy wonk because he was a PhD and a Nobel Prize winner in economics. Carlos Mazza calls himself a policy wonk because he really doesn't know anything about anything. But he calls himself gay wonk because he wants you to know he's gay. Because, well, why actually? Does it go to his expertise on things like bridges? If you're gay, do you have special knowledge about Gaza or anything? No, the, the opposite. Actually, it's the opposite of wisdom and the search for truth. It's a reversion to tribalism, at least how he's using it there. He's using it as an, an identity marker, as a trump card. Milton Friedman might have said, as an economist, I believe that. Carlos Maza says, as a gay man, I believe that something. So it, it doesn't lend more authority. Does it? It's playing the sexual orientation card, like a race card or a gender card. As a black man, I believe. As a Jew, I believe. It's not really a source of authority. It's, it's anti-intellectual. Here's an example. Let me know if you see any argumentation here, or just lots of virtue signaling and identity politics. Take a look at this. Search YouTube for videos about immigration, and eventually you'll find this. Mass immigration is not the rainbows and unicorns that our politicians portray it as. It is, in fact, a tragedy. Search for videos about Islam, and you'll find stuff like this. By its very nature, 
Islam is an intolerant, radical, extremist belief system. Search for feminism and yeah. News flash, everybody hates feminism. These videos are all products of what New York Times Magazine calls the YouTube right. A growing collection of right-wing vloggers, media operations, conspiracy theorists, and activists who built sizable followings on YouTube. They warn about mass immigration, decry political correctness, and mock out of control social justice warriors. Why am I on camera for this? Yeah, he's sort of an over-the-top central casting effete gay man. It's his thing. Now, some people, their, their thing is they're really smart. For Carlos Maza, his ethnicity and his sexuality are his thing that he makes into a thing. That's who he is. He tells you that. He tells you that in his nickname. And that's fine. Look, you be you. But that's not intellectual. That's not actually explaining anything, is it? That's, that's politics. Again, no problem. I mean, for people who want to know the gay point of view on the non-existent bridge to Gaza, knock yourself out. I put it to you, there's more than one gay point of view. There is no such thing as a gay point of view on a bridge. But Carlos Maza, even though he attacks his enemies relentlessly, not just his enemies in that YouTube video I just showed you, but on, on Twitter, look at this. He says, milkshake them all, humiliate them at every turn, make them dread public organizing. Wow. By milkshake them, of course, he means to assault his political enemies, conservatives, by throwing things at them, milkshakes or whatever. In the UK, they throw bricks and bottles down too. Like I said, Carlos Maza's strong suit is not debating or convincing people. It's being really pleased with who he is from an ethnic and sexual identity point of view and being absolutely malicious, literally cheering violence against people of a different identity than him. Identity. Not a lot of explaining here, not a lot of intellectualism, other than his one explanation, he's a gay wonk, and that's what he's going to do to you if you don't agree. He'll cheer for your milkshaking. There's a slightly interesting Democratic presidential candidate, by the way, who's gay as well. His name is Pete Buttigieg who is going to go on a TV show to be interviewed by a classical liberal named Dave Rubin, who is actually gay also, as it turns out. And, and Meza put his Twitter mob to work to stop that. So I guess he's a gay wonk, but he doesn't like gays who don't share his opinion. Pete Buttigieg wanted to meet with Dave Rubin. But here's what Mazza said. He said, absolutely madness, this debating, interviewing thing. I mean, Rubin is an enemy, obviously. Mazza doesn't need to be good at debating, you see, because if he can personally or financially destroy his enemies, that's great. Deplatforming works, he says. Look at that. Deplatforming works, and we should use it way more aggressively. He was tweeting news that Milo Yiannopoulos is in debt because of being banned from many platforms. Uh, Milo's gay too, by the way. I don't think gay wonk is even an accurate name because he hates gays who have a different opinion. So Massa is not exactly a liberal, is he? He isn't someone who loves knowledge. I don't think he should be working for a place that claims they explain things. That's not really his thing. He doesn't believe in having to explain to conservatives how they're wrong. He didn't try to explain to Dave Rubin or Milo why they're wrong. He believes in silencing them aggressively, either through banning them like Milo or through milkshaking them or otherwise humiliating them. That's his word. That's the real giveaway, I think. He wants people to be dehumanized. 
to lose their mind, rally to, really to lose their place in society, to make them unpersoned, calling for someone to be humiliated. Well, Mazza is so insufferable. I mean, he plays this effete explainer on TV. Oh, it's just me. But he's actually rather butch, isn't he? He believes in milkshaking people and deplatforming them and humiliating them. He's not a gentle man. I think he's very inauthentic that way. He's not liberal and he's not nice. And he's not even a wonk. He's a bully. I think he's a bit of a fascist. And he decided to take aim at a leading conservative political comedian. Steven Crowder, I think he's funny. He's a comedian first and a political commentator second. That's actually how he started off in life um, at the Just for Last Festival in Montreal. I think he's in the mold of Bill Maher or Jon Stewart. I think Crowder's funnier. Lots of costumes, lots of jokes. I mean, obviously, you're not going to laugh at everything he does, but I think he's funny. And obviously, Crowder started making fun of Mazza, which is what comedians do. And of course, if you don't like it, ignore it, uh, block it on social media. I don't know, heckle back, make a video back. You work for Vox, whatever. I mean, Mazza broadcast a video smearing his enemies list online. I showed you that. But he didn't want to take any return fire because they were being mean to him. But hey, if you condition out, you can take it. But Mazza didn't want to take it. You heard the man. He believes in deplatforming his enemies, not convincing them. And so he started a bit of a pout online. He says, so I have a pretty thick skin when it comes to online harassment, but something has really been bothering me. Yeah, brother, you don't have a thick skin. He said, since I started working at Vox, Steven Crowder has been making video after video debunking strike through. That's Maz's videos. Every single video has included repeated overt attacks on my sexual orientation and ethnicity. Here's a sample and take a look. Before we get to the video, uh, with our favorite, favorite lispy sprite <laughs> baby. from Vox. It's ridiculous. It's bonkers. You're being given a free pass as a crappy writer because you're gay. That center line on his little queer graph there. <laughs> what is, what is well, that Well, now line? the graph is queer? It's violence, filth. Okay, so the little queer can eat his chips all nonchalantly. It's code for rape, Mr. Queer eating <laughs> chips on the Vox channel. Mm -hmm, chip, 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 but you can eat just one, like dicks. This is what Mr. Gay Vox wants to do. Mr. Lispy Queer from Vox. What, were, what were you holding, Gay Latino from Vox? <laughs> Even his hand movement and fast motion is gay. Now we're here with the short-haired angry lesbian on Skype. And cable news, cable news bitching. Two gay guys sitting there eating a banana. We get the symbolism there. <laughs> the truth is hiding in a closet two weeks later, probably along to his next Pride Parade out, but this guy on the gay semi-Latino Vox. <laughs> oh, okay, so you really are just an angry little queer. All right, I can't deal with this sprite anymore. Okay, he just sashays across without a, like just, oh. The gay Vox sprite is wrong. <laughs> now he could be a tranny, your honor. But how many lispy, angry sprites and Vox sashay across your screen and try and tell you otherwise? Or you, by the way, the gay Mexican guy. The gay Latino V-neck. Gay Mexican. Or Mexican gay guy used to work. Mexican oh, gay oh, Latino oh, there oh, at, oh, uh, oh. at Vox. Oh, uh, gay Latino from Vox. The token Vox gay atheist sprite with Surprisingly, surprisingly flaccid chest considering how thin he is. It is it's very bizarre to me. Uh, ad hominem, yes, but it was an addendum to fat. Now, I should tell you, speaking in that affectation, that's not a speech impediment, obviously. And that's not something that gay people do by reasons of biology or sexuality. It's not an accent, like being born in Boston or Alabama. It's a speak affectation. It's a thing done on purpose, like how Valley Girls talk. It's like Catherine McKenna. It's a thing. Like calling yourself gay wonk, you're leading with it. You want people to know it. You, you can't very well 
use it as your shtick, call yourself gay wonk, have that affectation, and then object because a comedian who you yourself have attacked is now mocking you in return. Or, or you can object to it, but grow up, dish, dish it out, take it. Well, that's not how it works at Vox. And so he went on this endless Twitter, Twitter pout rant that every leftist in America retweeted. Now, Crowder is funny, I think. If you don't think he's funny, that's fine. But 3.8 million people have subscribed to his YouTube channel. That's triple the size of our YouTube channel. And he gets tons of views. And he's also on a, on a paywall channel called Blaze TV with Glenn Beck. So he's a pretty big deal. He's not as big as Tucker Carlson on Fox News, but he's pretty big on the Internet. So lots of leftists were retweeting and liking Carlos Mazza because they hate Steve Crowder. And YouTube, well, at first, they held the line. The company replied to Mazza directly and publicly. Let me read what they said. They said, thanks again for taking the time to share all of this information with us. We take allegations of harassment very seriously. We know this is important and impacts a lot of people. Our teams spent the last few days conducting an in-depth review of the videos flagged to us. And while we found language that was clearly hurtful, the videos as posted don't violate our policies. We've included more info below to explain this decision. As an open platform, it's crucial for us to allow everyone from creators to journalists to late-night TV hosts to express their opinions within the scope of our policies. Opinions can be deeply offensive, but if they don't violate our policies, they'll remain on our site. Even if a video remains on our site, it doesn't mean we endorse or support that viewpoint. There are other aspects of the channel that we're still evaluating. We'll be in touch with any further updates. So that's what they wrote back to Mazza on June 4th. Pretty free speechy to me. And look at this, Steven Crowder celebrated. He said, Team YouTube made the right decision. If they banned us, they'd have to ban. And then you see he linked to this video of other political comedians saying very rude things, including about the sexuality of someone they were attacking. Take a look. You're the president, but you're turning into a real prictator. <laughs> You attract more skinheads than free Rogaine. You have more people marching against you than cancer. You talk like a sign language gorilla who got hit in the head. In fact, the only thing your mouth is good for is being Vladimir Putin's holster. You know, Ivanka, that's a beautiful photo of you and your child, but let me just say, one mother to another, do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless c And obviously, I, I hope India and Pakistan don't go to war. But if they did go to war, it would probably be the most entertaining war of all time, yeah? Because the Indian soldiers would run out on the battlefield and they'd be like, time for you to die! Ask lots of questions about this and that. About this and that. Sometime at night, call below, look up in sky and say, what the hell going on up there? Do UFO live on other planet, phoning home like E.T.? Call below, read on TV about white people getting deducted by aliens, sticking all kind of hell up their butt. And that's a damn thing. Yeah, so that's a free speech victory, eh? Gotta tell you, I was skeptical, I have to say. I, I really couldn't believe 
that YouTube was standing up for free speech. Well, I guess the wall of anger was ratcheted up in the face of YouTube's four explanations. And I, I wonder if there were some moves behind the scenes. I wonder if Barack Obama made a phone call or Hillary Clinton made a phone call to YouTube's owners, Google. Remember, Google is a 100% Democrat company. They fired the one guy who was conservative. Their, their senior executives are all Democrats. Their executive vice president, Eric Schmidt, offered to build Hillary Clinton's campaign website. Do you remember the senior staff meeting at Google uh, the week Trump won? Here's a little bit of that. This is videos from their staff meeting after Trump won. As we started to see the direction of the voting, I reached out to someone close to me who was at the Javits Center where the big celebration was supposed to occur in New York City, somebody who had been working on the campaign. And um, I just sent him a note and said, you know, are you okay? It looks like it's going the wrong way. And I got back a very sad short text um, that read, People are leaving, staff is crying, we're gonna lose. Yeah, that's Google. Uh, the most telling was this woman, a senior Google executive, practically crying, saying the Hillary Clinton campaign was we. She, she spoke in the first person plural, as in it wasn't Hillary or they or them. It was as if Google and Hillary were the same thing. Do you remember this? That was the first moment I really felt like we were gonna lose. And it was this massive, like, kick in the gut that we were going to lose. And it was really painful. So maybe, I don't know, we'll never know, maybe Obama or Hillary Clinton or someone made a phone call to those Democrats at Google who own YouTube and made them think again and said, what are you doing? Standing with Steven Crowder, he's a Republican and Vox is Democrat. Because the very next day after they wrote their defense of free speech, they thought again and they wrote this. Update on our continued review. We have suspended this channel's monetization. We came to this decision because a pattern of egregious actions has harmed the broader community and is against our YouTube partner program policies. Oh, really? Wow, that was quick. Egregious, eh? Because earlier they said they had teams, plural, reviewing things, so they sounded like they went through exhaustively. And voila, in one day later, they said, no, 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 we're shocked, shocked. A day ago, they weren't shocked, but now they're shocked. Was it really egregious, though? Was it, was it a little bit like, was it like this? Weirdly shaped dicks, Jew face. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. That's not Steven Crowder. That's Carlos Maza himself. See, it's different when he's the racist one. Or I don't even know if that was a sexual orientation attack. I really don't know what that means. So Steven Crowder's website was, in fact, demonetized. That's the word that means YouTube has shut off his ability to make any money off it. They just canceled his ability to put ads on it. I'm guessing that's half a million bucks a year at least enough to pay for a significant staff, and it's just gone because Carlos Maza's feelings were hurt by a conservative comedian, even if it was offensive humor. It's humor. And now, oh, by the way, thousands of other YouTube pages were immediately, simultaneously swept up, swept up in this Night of the Long Knives. I don't know exactly what they did or how they did it. Maybe they just deleted anyone's monetization if they had keywords like right-wing or whatever, because thousands of other independent YouTube sites were demonetized all at the same time because someone at Vox 
had a temper tantrum because their affected way of speaking was mocked by a comedian. And that's how our story ends, except not quite, because Carlos Maza, I mean, he's a nobody. Or is he? He's not quite a nobody, is he? Look at this. Until Donald Trump was elected, Maza worked for a Democratic Party war room called Media Matters. It was a privately funded, anti-Republican, anti-conservative, Democrat super PAC. Here's a list of 313 stories Maza wrote for this Democrat super PAC. They weren't journalism. They were attacks, partisan attacks, uh, from a campaign war room. And you'll notice the date there. As soon as the campaign ended, as soon as Trump became president, Maza left the Media Matters super PAC to work for Vox, but doing the same thing, just calling himself a journalist now, but still pretending to be just folks. I'm just folks. I'm a grassroots social justice actor. It's just me, gay wonk, and I'm so friendly. Yeah, but no, see, Vox, um, they're owned by a company called Comcast. Here's their website. How big is Comcast? They own NBC. They own cell phone companies, cable companies, movie companies, internet companies. Around the world, actually, their market capitalization, that's what the stock market says they're worth. I checked, it's, it's $185 billion as of today. Nearly 200,000 employees around the world. They are one of the largest media companies in the world. So Carlos Maza isn't just some cute, awkward, social justice warrior who's a little shy and a little goofy and his feelings were hurt. My feelings were hurt. No, they weren't, buddy. He's brutal. Of course he's brutal. He told us that. He believes in humiliating people. He believes in deplatforming people. He has weird insults about Jews, as leftists often do. But, but the whole thing is actually an act. He, it's a role he's playing. He's not just some guy. He's a Democratic Party operative from Media Matters who led the ad boycotts against Rush Limbaugh and against Fox News. And now they're going for Steven Crowder, but not just for ideological reasons. It's more serious now. It's for business reasons now. Like I say, Vox is owned by Comcast. Comcast is a competitor to whom? To thousands and thousands and thousands of independent citizen entertainers, citizen journalists, citizen comedians, citizen reporters, citizen commentators around the world who are all eating Comcast's lunch. Comcast does very well, don't worry about them. They made $12 billion profit last year, but they're not stupid. The internet killed the VCR business, the internet killed the CD business, the internet is killing TV stations. Comcast is not going to stand by and let the internet kill them, so they'll kill it first. So don't, don't see Carlos Maza as just an ideological bully and a bigot who enjoys humiliating people. See him as a tool of one of the largest media companies in the world, using a fake social justice warrior to flatten thousands, literally thousands, of YouTube competitors. Just wipe them out. And that's what you just saw. I'm guessing we here at the Rebel won't be far behind on their enemies list. Stay with us for more. Isn't this special? The annual hate fest known as Al Quds Day is off and running in Toronto yet again, even though the city of Toronto said it wasn't going to tolerate hate speech on its property. Indeed, folks, last month a series of motions were approved by council 
in conjunction with the Toronto Police. If protesters occupy city property without a permit, the city will issue trespass warnings and seek reimbursement for policing costs. Well, guess what? This group does not have a permit, and this group is most certainly not paying the cost of policing. Hey, welcome to the diversity is our strength city of <laughs> Toronto. That was the Al-Quds protest. Al-Quds is a made-up holiday created by the dictator of Iran about 40 years ago, the Ayatollah Khomeini. It's basically an officially anti-Semitic, anti-Western holiday. So, of course, there's lots of enthusiasts for it. I think almost 2,000 people showed up in Toronto, and our own fearless David Menzies went there to record it. David, good to see you. Um, I have heard different reports, but it sounds like there were a lot of people there. Do you know what? Actually, Ezra, I think, judging by last year, I think it was half the amount of oh, really? Al-Quds people. Yeah, I really do. I mean, maybe that was a logistical uh, matter in that they could not assemble at Queen's Park, mm -hmm. uh, as they have done in, in previous years. Uh, but I saw it noticeably smaller than what I saw last year, oh. and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, that is a good thing. Now, of course, Mayor John Tory, uh, the weakest, wobbliest oh. mayor um, in Canada, and that's, I mean, it's a very low bar. <laughs> um, he said, well, we're not going to have this anti-Semitic group with these hate messages without a permit. Um, we're going to charge them for security. None of that happened. They didn't have a permit. They weren't charged with security. And in fact, police focused on you and the Jewish counter-protesters. Yeah, no, Ezra, it's not a matter of Mayor Tory saying, we're not going to have this, you know, just saying it as a rhetorical statement. This was passed by council last month. Um, you cannot go onto city property without a permit if you're going to do what they define to be hate speech. I think this meets the benchmark, by the way. And furthermore, if you do, guess what? You're going to be fined, and if the police have to come in en masse uh, with the paddy wagon and what have you, the mounted unit, you're going to get the bill. Well, well, they, nobody was fined. Uh, I will be shocked. I will be gobsmacked if anybody receives a bill. And we're talking tens of thousands, if not six figures in police co uh, costs for sure. And uh, thirdly, the to add insult to injury, Ezra, at one point they decide, you know what, we're just going to um, leave the U.S. consulate, march up university, uh, across Dundas, down um, uh, Queen. These are all major thoroughfares which ended up in traffic uh, chaos and they got a police escort to yeah. do so. We'll take a quick look at that here. Yeah. Take a look. I'm asking him if he has a permit. You're in the way, sir. Excuse me. I, I, yeah. Excuse what? Me. Is this Sharia law? Back up, please. Thank you. Thank you. Where is their permit? Thank you. Where is their permit? What are you, what are you doing bashing me with your bicycle? Are you kidding me? What are you guys doing? How come they... <laughs> this is amazing. They don't have a permit and you're escorting them. This is against the law, sir. How do I make a citizen's arrest? That, that is amazing. I mean, they shouldn't be shutting down an entire street, and they are. And the cops are turning on us, the messenger, you know. Well, I guess this is a very sad day in Toronto's history. They're completely being aided and abetted by the police. Now, David, I got to tell you, I don't like the idea of politicians banning peaceful political rallies, even for odious points of view like these guys have. Uh, the left would probably call my point of view odious. Yeah. But if you, but I know for a fact that some of the crazy anti-Semitism here 
if it were being done by white supremacist alt-right, which is uh, the media is obsessed with, there's a handful of white supremacists in the entire country, most of whom are just undercover cops with honey traps for these folks. Yes. It's not a real thing. You saw the real thing there. I'm going to show you one guy who, um, like, again, the media would go ape if they saw these kind of anti-Semitic crazy talk. That one guy um, calling for the execution of gays, oh. if that was a Christian pastor saying that, he'd be in prison, but he's Muslim, so it's fine. But check out that same guy who was calling for the execution of gays. Listen to him mock our immigration laws. This is from your interview with mm. him. What happened to a gay couple in Gaza? They executed according to Islamic law. Really? Islam doesn't in endorse gayism. Islam doesn't endorse homosexuality. Well, okay, so would you like to see Sharia law in Canada replace Canadian law? At some point it will. You know, because we, are, we, are, we have families, we are making babies. You're not. You're, 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 your population is going down the slump. Right? right? Yeah. By 2060, Muslims will be the biggest religious group the world over. What are you going to do then? Actually, are you going to oppose Sharia even then? I saw that. He was laughing. Ha ha. I was supposed to swear a loyalty oath to your country and queen. Ha <laughs> ha. Suckers. I didn't. And that's on you. Like he's mocking the system. I don't know if it's a lawful requirement to actually swear that citizenship oath. I think it is. I think it is. And he just said in public, I didn't, and you guys are suckers. But you want to know something, Ezra? I mm. think he is merely ahead of the curve. I think in our lifetime, in the interests of diversity and cultural sensitivity and political correctness and not offending those from other cultures, etc., I can see this oath being done away with or being made optional. Yeah. 100%. You know. You, you know what? In in some small way, I give that guy some credit because yeah. at least he was intellectually honest. How many people would have sworn that oath and lied about it? He actually seemed to hold that his oath was meaningful, so he withheld it. Um, and, and you know, and Ezra, what what scares me about that? I mean, you know, throughout the Islamic world, and I don't say this with any relish or any glee, but there is a high illiteracy rate, and I think when you have a large contingency of people who are not educated, uh, these are perfect stooges to, you know, uh, get radicalized. This individual, the more we talked, I, I got to learn about him. He, uh, he's a U of T uh, graduate in the sciences. Oh, really? You know uh, his name? He, um, I, I don't know his name. Um, he has, and, and he claims he went to U of T, of course. Mm -hmm. um, he, uh, he has children. Um, the question I wish, I'm kicking myself uh, in, in hindsight that I didn't ask him, Ezra, is that he believes that Sharia law is inevitable. He thinks Sharia law is a good thing because infidels such as gays will be executed. I, want, I think the question to have asked him, and I think this could have been a really chilling answer one way or the other, is that you have children. If one of your uh, kids came out as being gay, would your unconditional love as a father eclipse Sharia, Quranic law, or nope, the, the law is the law, and you have to go to the gallows? I wonder what he would say to that. Well, I, I think he would say we would just uh, uh, ungay him yeah. or something. Like he, he had a funny phrase there about he's against gayism, which I didn't know <laughs> was a thing. Um, 
And, and of course, Al-Quds, as you said, is a, a creature born out of Iran. And remember when Mr. I Need a Dinner Jacket was doing that U.S. university yeah. tour some almost 10 years ago, and he said to incredible laughter, oh, there are no gay people in Iran. Well, he's right, because they stoned them to death. So they're not there uh, very long. I want to show you, to me, what was the most upsetting part of it. And it was the police getting mad, not at these protesters who were violating a city bylaw, but at uh, you yeah. and uh, some Jewish reporters, some Jewish counter-protesters. So let's take a look at that. Why is the city turning a blind eye? That's a question that we're asking. You know, um, a few minutes ago, the police drove all the pro-Israel protesters, literally herded us like cattle with their bicycles all the way across to the other side under the guise of safety. Safety would be had if they wouldn't have this happening anyways. It's illegal, shouldn't be happening. It's hate speech. If they wouldn't let this happen, they wouldn't have to worry about my safety. It looks like a gentleman with a flag of Israel is being pressured by a police officer to, uh, I don't know, put a burqa over it because he might be inciting these uh, fine intellectuals marching illegally up University Avenue. Do you have a permit? I don't want to talk to you. Do you have a permit? Really? It's none of my business. Do you have a permit, sir? It's none of your business. Oh, I think it is. This is a public street. I, I, live, I live here, sir. I was born in Canada. And you don't have a permit. Go, go file a complaint. You don't have a permit, do you? I'm harassing him? Officer, I'm asking him if he has a permit. You're in the way, sir. Excuse me. Is this Sharia law? Back up, please. Thank you. Where is their permit? Thank you. Where is their permit? What are you, what are you doing bashing me with your bicycle? Are you kidding me? Now, you told me that that cop was actually bumping you with his bike tire. Yes. Yeah. Really weird. Unfortunately, because it was, you know, below my waist, uh, the camera didn't capture that. But I can swear to you that is the case. Both of them did that. They were using their bicycle wheel. Look, it's not as though I'm battered and bruised. N not at all. But that is, you know, the definition of an assault. And secondly, what predicated it? I mean, um, when you see one of the ringleaders, he said, uh, you're harassing me. And he called over the cops. And they came running. And by the way, I do not want to sound like I'm bashing the cops. Uh, most of the cops, I think, are fantastic guys. They're often in a horrible situation in trying to keep the peace and uphold the, the law as well. But these two guys, um, I don't know what it is. I think they send some of the same cops to cover these Al-Quds and, you know, and Palestine House uh, demonstrations. And I think, Ezra, a bit of Stockholm syndrome mm. sets in. They become kind of on a friendly basis with these very odious people. That's a theory. Another is um, my working theory, which is it's just easier to move you out of the way than a thousand screaming uh, jihadist sympathizers. Well, uh, it, it there's is There's one easier. David Menzies and there's 100, 200, 500 people who are talking about killing gays. Who's easier from a practical point of view to shove over? If he would have bumped them with his bicycle tire, he could have a ride on his hand. Uh, yeah, and that, that's always the default. First of all, uh, Ezra, if he says, sir, could you please, you know, I, I would do that. I'm not trying to make their jobs even more difficult than it is. But I'm getting a little sick and tired of, if you ask them insensitive questions, you're going to cause a riot. If you wave the flag of the Star of David, uh, you are going to cause a riot. Look. 
these acts, these legal acts, uh, as provocative as they may be to some people, shouldn't be the reason to say, don't do it because the bullies will act like yeah. a, a child having a temper tantrum. The onus is on them to be uh, conditioned by the law, Ezra. See, David, I have my own personal dystopian time machine. Whenever I travel to the United Kingdom, yes. I see five years into our own dark future. Yes. So I can assure you that this will get much worse and that in the future, police will proactively keep you out as they keep out, for example, Tommy Robinson. Police themselves will escort rioters as they did to some of Tommy Robinson's events. Uh, this will not get better. This will get worse. I have seen it with my eyes in the United Kingdom. And you're, I guess we're part of our job here is just to document it. So thank it, you for doing that. Oh, and, and I can tell you, um, uh, Jessica, again, whose last name I still cannot pronounce properly, so I will not draw. <laughs> she did fantastic work in the UK. And, and the one moment that sticks in my mind about her coverage, Ezra, was when she as a journalist went over to interview the protesters of mm -hmm. Tommy Robinson and that dummy of a policewoman says, um, uh, oh no, you got to go back with your people. Oh, your people, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. uh, she, she doesn't have a, a dog in this mm -hmm. race. She's a journalist. And then says the ludicrous thing, which was a technical impossibility of shouting her questions a hundred meters, yeah. uh, you know, knowing that we're not going to get any audio that way. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, I, I think you're right. This is the next step with police being emboldened as thought police, if yeah. you will. You said that you respect most police officers in Canada. I think that's right. I think it's 80 or 90% of police officers in Canada are still real cops. Yep. And it's mainly the brass and some political officers who are on specialty beats that are bad. In my dystopian time machine of the future, in the UK, I believe that it's probably about 50-50 oh now. Oh my goodness. And the police have been so inculcated with Islamophilia and you know, I, I have seen with my own eyes people being asked to take down the union flag, the union jack. Yes. Because it's racist. Yes. Um, th that's normal in the UK to be asked to take down the flag of St. George, across St. George with the English flag. That's not even news anymore. Cops asked for that to happen all the time. Um, so, so it's, uh, I think that's five years from now. You know what? Uh, I'm not going to argue with you, Ezra, because you've made uh, a profound case to support your point, and you even forgot an incredible profound example, which you covered when you were over there a few years ago, the fellow at the convenience store who had the say no to terrorism sign. Yeah. And I mean, can you imagine, yeah. like, what's the alternative that, um, you know, that, that a pro-terrorism sign? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're talking about John to... Fletcher. The police yes. literally told him to take down a say no to terrorism <laughs> sign and and it, that was just uh, incredible I, give me another 30 seconds in that same city yeah. different case i was meeting with someone and the police sent a spy truck by yes to with video cameras to spy on me meeting with the family i wouldn't have believed it i thought a spy truck that doesn't exist that's that sounds like conspiracy theory i saw it with my own eyes a big truck pulled up to where I was just talking to a family and it went vroot, vroot, vroot with the cameras to film who's this person meeting with the, the right family and spying on people, um, spying, on, uh, creeping on people's Facebook. The city of London itself, the Met Police there, police there have 900 police on the Facebook beat, yeah. 900 yes. 
900 police. You know, the worst thing I can say, Ezra, is that the only thing George Orwell got wrong was the chronology. Yeah. Um, you know, he said 1984, which was the uh, reverse of 1948 when it was written. Um, but it was, you know, it's the 2000 teens, uh, this coming to fruition in the UK. And I hope you're wrong. You're right on so many things. You're right on just about everything. But <laughs> I hope you're wrong about a five-year timeline for this garbage yeah. to come to our dominion. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to see that. You know what? It wasn't actually a police problem in Toronto last weekend. It was a political and journalistic problem. Yeah. And the politicians show they don't care. And the journalists show they don't care if anything. They're on the side of the protesters and against you. And so the police take their direction from the court of public opinion, the journalists, and the court of public law, uh, the court of, uh, court of law, the politicians, the, the prosecutors. The police are taking their, their steer from politicians. John Tory's fine with that. And so why shouldn't the police be? Anyway, we're out of time, my oh, friend. It's one great. last thing. Yeah. Where was the state-appointed stenographers at the CBC? This was walking distance right. away from their headquarters. And it reminds me when the uh, hijab hoax protest was going on and they were marching down legally with mm -hmm. a permit, University Avenue, a couple of years ago or, or a year and a half ago. And uh, I'll never forget it, Ezra. There was a CBC news van that came along because there was one lane of traffic mm -hmm. open. They came to a crawl. They read the signs. Oh, this is a protest about the hijab hoax, you know, hit the hit the gas and yeah. get out of there. I mean, you know, it, it is blatant right now, yeah. blatant what the bias is in, in terms of the political correct narrative on diversity. Yeah, well, we're in trouble. All right, mm. folks, stay with us. More ahead. What do you think of the show today? What do you think about someone calling himself Gay Wonk being mad when someone mocks him and being so mad that he whips up a Twitter mob that gets YouTube to deplatform thousands, literally thousands, of independent content creators? I think that's the state of the left. But it's not, it's not a two-way street, is it? I mean, if you want, if you want Swearing, if you want humiliation, if you want offensiveness, listen to Bill Maher's show. And by the way, I do. I mean, he offends me all the time, but I find it entertaining. And he's actually fairly articulate on issues sometimes. Jon Stewart, um, Saturday Night Live isn't even watchable. I think they're, they're neither funny nor sharp. But why is it that only conservative comedians aren't allowed to be outrageous? I think of our own friend Gavin McInnes and Steven Crowder. Isn't it allowed to make jokes? Isn't every joke a little revolution? I think so. I think that's exactly why they go for the comedians. Because if you're laughing at someone, if you're laughing at a Hillary Clinton or a Barack Obama, they lose power over you and you start a great revolution. I think that's why the left believes in censorship. Well, that's our show for today. I'll be back on Monday, of course, over the weekend. Please enjoy all our other Rebel YouTube videos. Until then. On behalf of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom while you still can. Mm -hmm.